0: question that the Lord asked in the Garden of Eden, where art thou? And he's continually asking it even today. Praise the Lord. We'll look at Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3 this morning. We're going through the book of Romans. Brother Case has already accused me of uh, not preaching on the difficult text. And uh, so uh, Wednesday night, if you want to hear the difficult text, uh, in the Grand Hall at 6.15, I'll be preaching the sermon, the five foundational words that you need to understand. One of them is foreknowledge. One of them is predestinate. One of them is called. One of them is justified. And one of them is glorified. Uh, Romans 8, 29 through 31, if you want to kind of look that up and be uh, uh, looking at that, that'll be Wednesday night at 6.15. Somebody said, how did you get over here so quick? They asked me how Ed Young did it, so our deacons took up an offering and rented me a helicopter. I, I, I left over there, and I landed right down here. They dropped me out right here, so praise the Lord. Uh, we, we had 129 this morning over at uh, uh, Mason Creek, and praise the Lord for that. I had one uh, join the church, and it was a great time of fellowship, and we're excited about what God is going to do. All through the last few weeks, especially week before last, we had a special conference where the case put it together. And I got a guy from Prestonwood to come in. And he continually, I think the, the, the staff has been doing a code where I wouldn't know what was going on. Uh, but continually, shorter is better. Shorter is better. Shorter is better. And I think they've been asking my sermons uh, and I have to be short at 8:30, and I have to be short at 9:30. But bless God, it's wide open right here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I saw this week the top 10 signs you're in for a long sermon. Number 10: There's a case of bottled water beside the pulpit and a cooler. You know it's going to be a long sermon. Number nine: The pews have camper hookups. Number eight, you overhear the pastor telling the sound man to have a couple of dozen extra tapes. And then number seven, the preacher's brought a snack to the pulpit. And uh, number five, the bulletins have pizza delivery menus in them. (laughs) And when the preacher asks the deacons to bring in his notes, he comes in rolling a filing cabinet. You know you're in for a long sermon. Instead of taking off his watch, he lays it on the pulpit. He turns up a four-foot hourglass. And the number one sign to know that you're in for a long sermon. The preacher says, I'm going to have you out by the Super Bowl. <laughs> and this is October. <laughs> All right. hey, Romans chapter 9. Uh, th- there's, a, there's no doubt that Paul was the greatest missionary that ever lived. Tremendous preacher, pre- tremendous church starter, conscientious about souls, The the great thing this morning is to know that God's on our side. Now you can take that wrong. I I realize someone asked Abraham Lincoln, "Do you think that uh, God's on our side?" And Abraham Lincoln said, "The more important question would be to make sure we're on God's side." But I'm just telling you this morning, God is looking out for your benefit. He loves you, and He wants you to be saved. Uh, the old songwriter said it like this, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Now, there's a story about a guy in the woods, an old farmer, and he's walking down through the woods, and he looks back there about 100 yards, and there's a bear sniffing his footprints. A ferocious bear. And so he decides that, He better break and run for it. So he begins to run. Of course, the problem is the bear is faster than he is. But he breaks and runs, and he says, Man, I'm thinking to die. I am going to die. There is no way I'm going to escape. I'm going to die. And he looks up ahead, and there's a tree limb hanging down. And he thought, I'm going to jump, and I'm going to hit that tree limb, and that's all that's going to save me. Well, the closer he got to that tree limb, He realized that thing was 15 feet off the uh, ground. Now, 15 feet's about probably right there at the corner of that building right there. So he's running, and and I'm not going to do this now. (laughs) But he's getting ready to jump for that limb, 15 feet. He he feels that bear's moist, hot breath right on his backside. And he knows he's got to do something. So he leaps for it. And he misses it. But he caught it on the way down. (laughs) For some of you that didn't get that, when we're in the middle of the sermon, I hear you, oh, (laughs) we know you got it there. Listen, Paul said, Romans 9, verse 1 through 3, would you stand with me in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible said, Romans 9, 1, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Father, thank you this morning, how we've been blessed and just lifted up to the gates of heaven would you continue to let your Holy Spirit have control of every word that's heard? Bind Satan from this place. Lord, he, he has no place in any person's life in this auditorium today. But I pray we'll not know anything save the Holy Spirit and the wooing of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Let your will be done. There are those in this place, Lord, you know them. You know them by name. You knew them before the foundation of the earth that need a touch and need to be saved and need to come to Jesus. Lord, would you speak to their hearts today? Others may need a church home. Others just need to come and pray. Lord, whatever needs to happen, I pray in the words that Miss Joni just sang, oh God, that people would come home because you're still calling us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul had the greatest mission. He had the greatest message. He had the greatest master. The mission was the missions itself. The message was salvation. And the master was the Lord Jesus Christ. He had all of those things together. And he gives us a glimpse into his heart in these three verses uh, that, that speak to our hearts. It really doesn't make any difference whether you're in Longview or Hawsville, or whether you're in Haiti or, or Israel. or It doesn't make any difference. Paul had a concern for the lost. And uh, that concern gives four things here in these three verses of Scripture. Number one is this it was a conscientious concern. Look at the Scripture, we'll be right here the whole time verses one, two, and three. He said, I say the truth in Christ, my conscience bearing witness. He had a conscientious concern. Now, if I were to ask you today, do you have a conscientious concern about the loss? Oh, you'd say, Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I do. Do, do you have a burden for the world? My soul, do you have a burden for America? My soul, if you've looked at what's happened in the last few weeks and you don't have a burden for America, something wrong, something bad wrong. Do you have a burden for those who don't have any witness at all? There are places in our world that you can't even go and talk about Jesus. Do you have, do you have any burden for people like that? Do you have a burden for your neighbor? Do you have a burden for a lost worker or schoolmate? Or do you have a burden for a a family member, a grandchild, or a child, or a mama, or a daddy, or an uncle, or aunt? Every one of you would say, oh, yes, I do. I do. Mm. But I wonder if we lifted our hands, if God might grant us just a touch of conscience. Just a touch. Just a touch of conscience. Oh, yeah, Lord. Yeah. We're concerned about the lost. But would your conscience really telling you, you're really telling a lie. You're really not concerned. I heard in a testimony from an evangelist friend, <clears throat> he was in a crusade. He was staying at this husband and wife's place, and she was ahead head of the WMU. Now, if you're young and you don't know what that are, it's a mission society, all right? And it was very important. A lot of women have sent missions all over this world. Thank God for ladies. Ladies, don't think I'm running you down here now, okay? Uh, but she was head of the Mission Society, and every preacher loves to hear this when you go into a church for a revival. Uh, I'll, I'll have one in Champion Forest in Houston in a couple of weeks, and there'll be people that'll come and say, Preacher, I'm not going to be able to make the meetings tonight. Uh, I've got something prior. But I'll be here in spirit, and I'll tell them, keep your spirit at home we got enough demons floating around in here right now. We don't need nobody here in spirit. We need you here in flesh and blood. And it, he, she told him that, and he said, Lady, I, I, I don't want to be rude, but he said, Don't you think you ought to cancel your missionary society meetings and come to the crusade? Your church has been praying for this. This is set up. Don't you think you ought to cancel it? Oh, young man, you have no idea what you're talking about. We pray for the whole world. We pray and we study missions all over this world. And it is vitally important. And it seems to me you have no clue what really missions is about. And he said once again, he said, lady, you can talk about missions, you can pray about missions, but you really don't love missions. She got beside herself. Why would you say something that rude? He said, well, yesterday I asked your maid, she's been working for you 14 years if she knew the Lord. She said, no, sir. And I talked to her a little bit. She said, can I be saved? He said, yes, ma'am. And he led her to the Lord. And then he asked her this question. All the time you've been working in this home, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? No, sir. Not in 14 years. So, lady... You can say you're praying. You can say you love missions. You can say you love people, but you're lying. You're lying. Some of us are in that category. In that very category. He had a conscientious concern. Let me give you the second thing in verse 2. <laughs> already Two already down, huh? Uh, now, there there is more than three, so don't get in a real worry over here. Second thing here he said, that I'll tell you something else he had for souls. He had a compassionate concern. Verse 2, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. I remember in churches where we, even before the invitation would start, people would be at the aisles weeping, praying, moan, moans and groans, for lost people for directions that they needed in life let me ask you do you weep over the lost you weep over the members of your family your kinfolk that are not saved i mean when, when's the last time i did just shooting straight with you when's the last time you broke down and cried over anything unless it was something selfish somebody put a dent in your car somebody stole your car phone or whatever you know you got problems you Yeah, you cry over that. I I, I just remind you again, I I don't want to harp on the point, but I just want to remind you again, people who die without Jesus Christ go to hell. They don't pass gold. They don't collect $200. They don't go to purgatory. They go straight to hell. Say, preacher, I don't want to hear that. Well, it's the truth. It's the Word of God. I tell you, our people need to hear truth today. We're coming to a time even in our churches, let alone our country, That everyone says, hey, let everybody have their own way to heaven. Well, I I got one problem with that. This book says that our God is a jealous God. And he says, I'll have no other gods before me. So you tell me all it can be. I'm telling you, he can't. This book says God only. He's the one that this country was founded after. He's the one that this church is built upon. And he's the one we need to continue to glorify until Jesus comes for us. Sometimes, sometimes it's going to cost some of us our lives. It's going to happen one of these days. You say, well, we never have. I know we haven't, but I'm telling you, all over this world, you're finding people that are giving their lives for Jesus Christ, all over. A compassionate concern. What, What motivated Paul to have a compassionate concern? Oh, I know what it was. He wanted to build a bigger church because a bigger church means God's doing something. No, no, that's not what it was. Oh, hey, America's in trouble and America needs to be redeemed, so we need to build a bigger church and come back to God. That's not enough. That's not enough. Maybe the staging of sagging statistics, if you're a true Baptist, you know how bad things are. We baptized less last year than we did in 1948. We, this was the lowest year of baptism in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's not enough. Well, maybe it's because of our reputation. We used to be known as fire-breathing, soul-winning, sin-hating, heaven-loving people. That's not enough. Let me tell you, his motivation to have the spirit of Christ. He said, I say the truth in Christ. You'll never be motivated to win people for Jesus until you're in Christ. I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about walking with Christ in Christ. That's what Paul said. I am in Christ. I say the truth in Christ. And and, and to see this world through the eyes of Jesus, not through the eyes of the multitude. We've got to see this world through the eyes of Jesus and through the Word of God. You say, preacher, do you like that? Not really. Not really. There are people that sometimes I just assume to backhand is love them. But I'm telling you, according to the word of God and according to what Jesus says, when you look at their eyes through Jesus, you have no idea what they've gone through. You have no idea what they grew up into. You have no idea what shoes they're walking with right now. The only idea you got is they need Jesus. And you got Jesus, so you ought to share Jesus. Paul says, I continually. With compassionate concern. You see, folks, the things that break the heart of Jesus ought to break our hearts too. This afternoon, I've inadvertently left it out of the bulletin, but this afternoon, 2 o'clock, you'll have an opportunity to go to Hawsville at Main Street and 450. Signs already be made for you. It's right to life demonstration today. There'll be one at the main intersection in Hawsville. From 2 to 3 o'clock, signs will be made. You can carry your lawn chair, carry your umbrella, water, do whatever, make coconuts, if you want whatever you want to do. And then if you're in Longview area, you go to the mall at McCann in Luke 281 from 2 to 3. Almost 60 million babies have been murdered in America. And we'll say, now wait a minute, preacher, today the Texans are playing the cowboys. Do you not understand the importance of that? And I rest my case. I rest my case. He had a conscientious. I wasn't going to do this, but I'll go ahead and tell the truth. I turn 65 tomorrow. Next week's going to be a new day, brother. It's going to be a new day. I know I'm no great preacher. But I tell you, there are times when I have wept over sermons and preached my heart out and get down close to the invitation and I watch people picking up their purses and I watch people putting the bulletins in their Bible and I watch people pulling up their pants legs, getting ready to get out so they can get out of here as fast as they can. Now, you listen to me. I'm I'm not, not downgrading you. I just want to tell you. After the invitation, we welcome people. We have announcements, there's plenty of time for you to rear out of here after that. That doesn't make any difference. But during that invitation time, the most lost person in this world may be sitting right next to you. But you got to run over them so you can get out and get that car crank and get out of here. If you're that worried about that, you need to go to Mason Creek. Because those folks beat the Methodist delubies today. I'm just telling you. They're thumbing, they're looking, and in a service like this, the most important thing in this entire service is the invitation time when we do business with God. Third thing, he had a conscientious concern, he had a compassionate concern, and thirdly, he had a continual concern. It wasn't hit and miss. (laughs) I heard about the story of the guy that came down every service and prayed with the preacher, Lord, would you feel me? Lord, would you feel me? Lord, would you feel me? They were in a revival meeting one night and the guy come down, a dearest old saint in the back. She hollered out, don't do it, Lord. He leaks. (laughs) Every one of us got that same problem. We can be motivated. We can be excited. But the problem is we go back out into this world of all the cares. And if we're not careful, We've forgotten about the lost people. We've forgotten about soul winning. And we're concerned of all the things going on in this world. And I'm telling you, Paul was not like that. He had a continual concern. It never left him. Part of our problem is we just get motivated for a little while and then we're ready to move on to something different. It was in First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida. I heard this evangelist tell this story. He was an older evangelist. He said he'd made a lot of trips on planes and he'd made a lot in cars. He was going to this meeting. He decided he'd ride the train. He'd never been on a train. Uh, I've been on a train. A couple of hours is all right, but man, when you're on one about three days. Uh, Anyway, he's on this train and he's sitting next to this lady. Now, this is his exact words. He said, she put her makeup on with a trial. (laughs) She was a lady of the night. And he's sitting beside her. And so he begins to witness to her. And she's nervous. And she finally says, I'd love to stay and talk longer, but I've got to go get something to eat. He said, I'm hungry too. I'll go with you. <laughs> and so they went down to the dining car. And they sat there, and he continually talked to her about Jesus. And, and uh, finally tears began to run down that mascara. And she prayed to receive Christ on that dining car on that train. And she said, what do I do now? I have no idea what to do now. And he he said he just heard a great sermon on uh, on prophecy on the end times and all. And he was explaining to her about the church and what all was going to happen and what she needed to do. And he said while he was doing that, a guy tapped him on the shoulder from behind him. And they were doing like all of us do. They were eavesdropping. And uh, the guy said, uh, I've, "I've got two daughters. Reckon we could pray that prayer too." And then, as they continue to go, the guy on the other table said, "My wife and my uh, my wife and I have never been saved. Could we pray that prayer too?" So, going down this rain, uh, railroad track, you got a revival going on. There's a nightclub hostess. A Jewish man, two Jewish women, a man and his wife praying to receive Christ as a personal Savior. What a revival. Now, folks, I, I wish I could tell you that happens every time. It don't. But I will guarantee you this. It will never happen unless you open up and tell somebody about Jesus. It will never happen unless you open your mouth and share about Jesus. What motivated Paul? He had a conscientious concern. He, he he could tell the truth when he said, I'm concerned. He had a compassionate concern. He had a continual concern. He had a costly concern. Look at verse 3. For he says, for I could wish myself were a curse from Christ, my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, uh, what, what does he mean? Some of your Newer translations will say it in better English. What Paul is saying is, I myself would go to hell if it would mean my kinsmen could be saved. Now, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, when you've been saved, you can't go to hell. So Paul has a problem with that. Number two, uh, had he gone to hell, it would have done the the, uh, kinsmen no good because we can't be saved for anybody else. But what Paul is saying here is, Literally, anytime, anywhere, any cost, I'd be willing to do anything if just my kinsmen, if my countrymen, if my family would be saved. I'd be willing to be cast out. I, uh, I wish I could say I've been there, I've come to that place. I'm not there. I'll be honest with you. I, I want to preach, and you've got an opportunity. But I want to tell you right now, I'm not to the place in my spiritual life where I'll say I'll end up going to hell if you'll just be saved. I'm not going to do it. Now, God may change that. Some of you here may be ready to do that. I, 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 it may be if you had children. And if I had children who was lost, I praise God, my children have been saved. Uh, every grand, uh, uh, a child has been saved except one, Charlie. He's going to end up being a wild evangelistic preacher. Uh, So I'm not not worried about him whatsoever. But if I had children that was lost and I had grandchildren, I very well might come to the place where I'd say, Lord, just take me. Cast me out if my kids could be saved. But you see, you can't do that. Salvation is a personal experience. It happens with you and with you only. So if you're the one that needs to be saved, you're the only one who can be saved. Other folks can pray for you. And boy, we ought to be doing that. But nobody can make the decision for you. I spoke with a guy this morning. And I asked him, you know you'd go to heaven if you died? He said, I've I've been on staff. That's not what I asked I said, do you know if you died right now that you'd spend eternity in heaven? Well, my, my daddy was a preacher. That's not what I asked. Just an hour ago. I asked, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? He said, yes. I said, that's all I'm asking. Let's move on to the next one. Let's go on to the next one. But you need to know, not hope, not guess, not maybe, but you know there's been a time in your life when the Holy Spirit convicted you and drew you to Jesus, and He literally became your Lord and Master in your life. You need to know that. If you don't know it, I got some good news. God's still for you. He wants you to know it. it's not His will that any perish, but all come to life. That's what the Word of God says. I'm asking you in these days... Li- I don't, you know, I, I love all music. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love contemporary music. Did you do the song here that you did? Whew, you're talking about a deep song. Son, I'm telling you, the thrills are out of that. That's just meat. That was just something. But I, I'm, I'm old, and I don't learn very well, and some of these new songs just tear me apart. I can't, I can't sing them. I try. And I try to move my mouth, but there ain't nothing coming out. I'd like like a nut down here singing when I'm not supposed to be singing. But this Crowder band came out with a song. It's new, but I tell you I can sing it. All my hope is in Jesus. All my yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. I have been washed in his blood. Oh, Father, this morning, we ask you to have your way during this invitation time. God, would you reach down, the one that maybe came in here today, thinking there's no way I could ever get out of what I'm in, there's no way I could ever be saved. Lord, would you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, show him or her this day that today is their day of salvation. God, for those that maybe just came in looking for a church home, Lord, if this is where you want them, would you you just let them come and and Lord rejoice and we'll rejoice and roll up their sleeves and go to work for the Lord? Maybe there's some here today that it's touched their hearts and their conscience is beginning to speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're telling them they've never, they've not wept in years over anybody that was lost. They've got family members that are lost and These aisles are provided down here and these altars are here and yet we don't take advantage of it. God, would you speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus? Would you just draw us close to you? Bring us back home to the place that we know we ought to be. We'll give you thanks in advance for what you're going to do in this invitation. In Jesus' name. As we stand together and sing, I want to ask you to come. Brother Case is here. Brother Jason I myself are here. You come. If you need to come pray, come pray. You need to speak with one of us, come right now. Come on.